Red Rocks Church, how we doing? We good? Oh man, hope you're ready for a great day, church. I want to take a second to welcome all of our local locations, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Evergreen, and then our Brussels location, Brussels, Belgium, final four of the World Cup. Great job, so close. Maybe in four years the U.S. will join you. Probably not, but we'll be praying for it. We want to welcome all the men and women at God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for them. And all those joining us online as well. Well, my name is Andrew Matrone. I'm one of the youth pastors on staff here, and your lead pastor and Archbishop of Denver, as Chad would say, Sean Johnson, is preaching at our Brussels location this week. So he told me to tell you guys hi, and he asked me if I would fill in, and I said, absolutely. Uh, man, I'm believing for great things today. Uh, I come here with great expectation. I, I don't know your story. I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know your background. But one thing I do know is that there's a God who loves you, and that God knows just what you need. If we would just lean in for a moment, he might just be able to provide for you that answer tonight. And so I want to jump right into scripture. I don't want to waste any of your time. I'm going to jump into Mark chapter 5, which is in the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. If you're new to church and you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible is split up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was before Jesus' life and the New Testament is during and after his life. And so I'm going to preach from this story of this interaction between Jesus and this woman. The story that you've probably heard many times, probably preached here before. And it's in Mark chapter 5 verse 24. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Come on. Oh, I like that. All right, here we go. Said a large crowd followed and pressed around him, around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Let me read verse 26 again. Put that in parentheses if you're taking notes. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, everyone say, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. Amen. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Today I want to talk about how the answer to what you've been looking for in your life may not be as far off as you think that it is. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for everyone present at each location or listening online. Uh, God, I believe that you have such a specific and powerful word that every single person is here on purpose, for purpose, to come into contact with you. God, we love you, we trust you, and we give this day to you. And everybody says, amen. amen. Question for you. Have you ever put your hope in something and then immediately regretted it? Like you put your hope in something or someone and then immediately regret it. You see, my wife, Jerrica, and I, we have a two-and-a-half-year-old. His name is Abram, okay? He's, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Being a father is literally the, the greatest gift on earth. Luckily, I have a good-looking wife because now I have a good-looking son. 
But it's really the, the, the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But if you've ever had a toddler or you have one now, you know that toddlers can be unpredictable. Can I get an amen? Right? Like at one second, they're an angel, and the next second, they're a spawn of Satan. They're like, who are you? Just the other day, I was sitting on my couch, and my son, he, he walks up to me, he sits on my lap, and he put his beautiful little face into my, into my neck, and I was loving this moment. Then all of a sudden, I feel this excruciating pain. I'm like, ow! He was biting my shoulder. The little sucker tricked me. He was all sweet so he could get a bite of me. But... About a year ago, I, I, I put my hope and my trust in my one-year-old that he would do something that he didn't end up doing. You see, when our son was 18 months old, he had trouble uh, doing his business, okay, going to the bathroom. And so what we would do is we would put him in his crib, and, and while we were getting ready for work, we'd put him in his crib, and we'd put reading material in there, and it like relax him. He's like a 70-year-old man. He would sit there and read and do his business, Okay. But this one particular day, my wife, she was getting ready for work, and so I was on duty. I was babysitting. Just kidding. That makes all the moms mad. No, I, I, was, I was on duty, and my wife was getting ready, and I put my son in the crib to do his business. Now, one thing, I forgot to put other clothes on him, and I left him in there just with his diaper. And being the amazing father that I am, I put him in there, and then I go and watch Sports Center. Uh, it was either 10 to 30 minutes. I, I can't remember. Father of the Year Award. But all of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling scream, and it's my wife, and I hear her say, Abram, no! I have this, like, anxiety that, that like, wells up in me, because either way, I'm in trouble, right? Either way, I did something wrong. And so I, I, I run back there, and I see this scene that could have only unfolded in a horror movie, okay? My son had taken off his diaper and taken his doo-doo, okay, his business, and he had wiped it all over the crib. It was all over him, all over our books, all over the wall. He did some finger painting with his business, okay? He took some of his business and threw it out of the crib. I walk in there, and my initial response is, I'm like, I can't, and my wife's like, you better not throw up. You did this. You fix it. So my wife, she grabs him, and she takes him to the bath, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, where do I, where do I even start? I'm like, all I want to do is throw up. This is so disgusting. Shouldn't have had a kid. Like, what, what, what am I doing here? And so I do what every loving father would do. I, I went to the garage. I grabbed a, a can of gasoline. I poured it all the room, and I lit it on fire. I'm like, I'm done. Didn't do that. So I'm cleaning it, at least enough to where the wife was cool with it. I'm cleaning it, and... And all of a sudden, I hear this same scream that I heard heard 10 minutes before. And it's, Abram, no! And I'm like, oh, Lord. So I run in there, and my wife is literally holding up my naked son in the air. And she's like, look what he did in the bathtub! He did his business all over in the bathtub. And, and my, my, all I started doing, I just started crying. I'm like, what happened? Who fed you? What did you eat? Is there anything left in there? Who are you? So we get him cleaned up. We light the whole house on fire. And my wife hands him over to me, and my son has the audacity to say, Daddy, poo-poo. And I'm like, more? You better not. You're going to pay for this one day. The moral of the story is don't have kids. <laughs> or really pray before you do it, okay? Pray before you make that decision. I put my hope in my 18-month-old, and it didn't quite turn out how I thought that it would turn out. Right? Today I want to talk about this strange transition, but I want to talk about this word hope. 
Okay, hope to me is this feeling of expectation or desire that something good is going to happen. Hope, an expectation or the feeling of expectation or desire that something good is going to happen. You see, just like my son, I think we've all put our hope in something or someone expecting something as good is going to happen. Right, but I think we've all put our hope in something or someone and it didn't quite pan out the way that we thought that it would, right? Put our hope in, in a friend, a spouse, a parent, a pill, a substance, a coworker, a relationship, a business investment. It didn't quite pan out how we thought that it would. And I think that we put our hope in things or people because we're expecting some kind of return on our hope investment, right? Expecting that we're going to get that feeling that we've been longing for that feeling of satisfaction or fulfillment, expecting that we're going to experience that healing that we so needed, expecting that we're going to alleviate that pain, that anxiety, that depression. I mean, fill in the blank. I believe that we're all very different. But when it comes to this, I feel like we're all very much the same. That I don't care how successful, how good-looking, how healthy, how wealthy you are, or if you think you're the most messed up, broken person you've ever met in your life. Every single one of us at some point in our lives will lay our head to rest at night and wonder what is the thing or the person that I can put my hope in that will not only fulfill me for a moment but sustain me for a lifetime. You see, because I believe we were all created with this desire and this, this innate desire to find something to put our hope into. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has set eternity on the hearts of all men. God has set the eternity on the hearts of of all men, that we were all born with this innate desire to find a hope that would not only fulfill us for a moment, but sustain us for a lifetime and into eternity. Every single one of us, at some point or another, will will consciously or subconsciously ask this question, what's the thing that I can put my hope in that will bring and sustain fulfillment to my life? Now, let's be honest. There are many avenues in which temporary fulfillment can be gained, right? Achievements, successes, sexual pleasures, people, our kids, our jobs, whatever it might be. No one's trying to deny that. And I'm not even trying to sit here and say that all those things in and of themselves are bad. But what I am trying to say is when those things become the target of lasting fulfillment, that's when it becomes a problem. Because what happens when that thing or that person or that season runs out and it runs its course? Well, we still feel that desire to fulfill and have a hope to, to depend on. So what we do is we go to the next thing. We go to the next job, the next fad, the next li- lifestyle, whatever it might be. All in hopes that it will give us in return that thing that we're looking for. This cycle pretty much sums up the human race, wouldn't you say? It's like this vicious cycle of always searching and rarely finding. See, I, I'm someone who, I'm a people watcher. I don't know if you're a people watcher, but I'm a people watcher. It, it, it drives my wife absolutely nuts. Um, whenever we go out to eat, I always sit in the place where I can see people best. And, and I always know what's going on. I know if they're about to break up. I know if this is their first date. I know everything about every situation. I love watching. It, it drives my wife nuts. I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. Why are you not doing this? But I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a people watcher. And, and recently, I started watching people with this new perspective of, from, from like the gospel and just watching people. And something that I've realized is that I feel like our world is filled with a bunch of wandering sheep just looking for their next meal. That our world is filled with a bunch of wandering sheep just looking for a shepherd, looking for something to put their hope into. 
And I would say that many people are stuck in this vicious human cycle. And maybe you're sitting here today, you say, Andrew, that pretty much sums up my life. Or at least sums up the season of my life. And that's why I read this story of this woman earlier. I think that her story could really resonate with your situation and where you find yourself today. This interaction between this woman and Jesus. Now, we really don't know much about this woman. The Bible doesn't really give us any background. We don't know her name. We don't know her story. We don't know really all the things that she's been through. We don't know her values. We don't know her beliefs. We know nothing about this woman. All we know about this woman is that she has this physical issue, and it's this issue of bleeding. Whatever you think that issue might be, you're probably right, okay? So she has this issue of bleeding that she has suffered from for 12 years. But not only does she have a physical issue, because of this physical issue, now she has a social issue. You see, because of her physical issue, she is deemed unworthy, unclean, unwanted, and people have slapped this big label on her back as outcast. So this woman has this physical issue, this social issue, and you got to imagine now because of all this, she has an emotional, mental, and spiritual issue, right? Life for this woman is really not all that good. And so the Bible says that this woman goes to many different doctors who prescribe many different treatments. And now I'm speculating, but this is how I feel like her story went, okay? This woman goes to the first doctor. He's like, okay. He does an examination, and he asks some questions. She says, this is what's going on with me. He says, okay, I've seen this before, and I think I know what you need, okay? It's a dietary issue, okay? So I'm going to have you go gluten-free, okay? And then for the next three months, I want you to exercise three to four times a week. And so she leaves, and she's ecstatic because she's like, finally, someone understands what I'm going through. Someone has a solution to my issue. Someone has a solution to my problem. And so this woman, she goes to uh, Whole Foods or Sprouts or Trader Joe's. You call Radians. You, you guys are all about your grocery stores. I'm from Missouri. We got Walmarts, okay? <laughs> and so th this woman, she, she goes wherever she goes, and she gets the food. She gets all the dietary needs that she has. And then she goes across the street to 24-hour fitness. She gets a gym membership. And so for the next few weeks, she starts doing, she goes all, and she's like, I'm going to give everything I have to this treatment. And after time, things seem like, I feel healthier, I feel a little bit better, but over time, just same story, different day, right? And then she goes to the next doctor. And this doctor's like, okay, I've seen this before. All right, here's what I'm going to do. The dietary stuff, I know that doctor, don't listen to him, Okay. So here, it's not a dietary issue. There's this new pill that came out, and I'm going to prescribe this to you, and I really think it's going to help you. So for three months, you're going to take this pill twice daily, and then we're going to begin to wean you off. So the woman, she gets excited. She's like, okay, th this is going to be my fix. This is what I've been looking for and longing for. So she goes across the street to CVS or Walgreens. She puts in a prescription. She gets it. And for the first couple weeks, her, her body is actually starting to react to it in a positive way. But then over time... Nothing changes, nothing happens. She goes to a different doctor, different treatment, different doctor, different treatment. It says that she suffered a lot of harm under these doctors and these treatments. That this woman put all of her hopes in these people, in these treatments. Now, was this woman wrong? Absolutely not. Like this woman would do what any one of us would do. Something was wrong with her. She didn't feel the way that she longed to feel or desired to feel, and so she went to someone to get a treatment for it. She wasn't wrong at all. She had nowhere else to turn. 
But tell me that this isn't us sometimes in life. Now, maybe you're not going to a physical doctor to get some answers, but you're maybe just maybe going to another kind of doctor to figure out what it is that you need. Maybe for you, it's doctor success. You've done everything you know how to be as successful as possible. You've done everything you know how to make your life, your family, your marriage look the way that you want everybody else to see it. You've climbed the corporate ladder. You have got the bills. You have the right amount of money in your savings or checking his account. Like you've done all the things that you know how, but you still lay your head to rest at night wondering, is this really it? I think there's got to be more. Maybe for you, it's Dr. Pleasure. You have spared yourself no pleasures in this world. If there's a pleasure in this world, you've done it. But you still lay your head to rest at night wondering, is that really what I'm looking for? Is there something more? Maybe for you as Dr. Religion. You've gone from religion to religion, church to church, life group to life group, podcast to podcast, pastor to pastor, thinking that that next church or that next pastor or whatever it might be, that next religion might just be the thing that you're looking for. But you still know there's got to be something more. Maybe for you it's doctor acceptance. You've gone against everything you know. You've gone against all your morals, all your values, all your beliefs, all in hopes that people will look at you and say you're good enough. But you know it isn't what you're looking for. Or maybe it's doctor ideal. Your ideals have become your idols. And you have spent all your energy trying to perform to the type of person that you have always dreamed of being and you have fallen short multiple times and you still wonder, is that the thing that's gonna make me feel fulfilled and satisfied? Or maybe it's doctor relationship. You've gone from man to man thinking that maybe the next one will be the one that I'm looking for that's gonna make me feel the things that I desire to feel. Maybe for you it's doctor self-help. You've taken the pills, you've read the books, you've done the things. Or maybe for you it's doctor righteousness. You think that by doing all the right things, looking the right way, performing the right way, will provide for you that feeling that you're looking for. But just like this woman, it's honestly left you at a place where you probably have way more questions than you have answers. This was this woman. And this woman literally has nowhere else to turn but then. And I love the Bible because the Bible is filled with but then. She hears about this man by the name of Jesus who's coming to town. Now she's heard about Jesus before. Jesus at this point in his life was starting to gain a lot of traction in his ministry. He was preaching a different message. This woman heard that if you come into contact with Jesus and you have a need, that he can fulfill it in a second. If you come into contact with Jesus and you're suffering, he can heal you. And so this woman, she believes that maybe, just maybe, If I come into contact with this Jesus, then I will experience what it is that I'm looking for. And so the story goes, speculating again, but the story goes that this woman, she's in her home, and these crowds, hundreds, thousands of people begin to gather and rally around to see this Jesus. And I picture this woman sitting in her house, and she, she's probably really allowed her label to define her, saying, look, I, I'm not good enough. Even if I saw Jesus, he would want nothing to do with me. I'm too unclean. I'm too unworthy. But, but, but deep down inside, she knew that he might be what it is that I'm looking for. And so she leaves her house. She exits out. 
And she sees these large crowds. And I, I, I picture her beginning to push her way through these people, all in hopes that she can just come into contact with Jesus. I picture her like yelling above the crowds, Jesus, Jesus, I, I need you. Jesus, just speak to me for one second. Jesus, I, I need you. And it says that she, she works her way through, and it says that she touches the hem of his garment, meaning that this woman was literally on her hands and knees crawling through the people just to come into contact with Jesus. She went all in. And it says immediately the woman was healed. Immediately. The Bible says Jesus was like, who touched me? Probably less ghetto than that. <laughs> Jesus was like, who touched me? And the disciples were like, yo, Jesus, uh, look around you. Lots of people touching you. He's like, no, someone touched me because power left me. So he turns around and it says that this woman comes to Jesus and says that she told him the whole truth, but it says that she was trembling with fear. You know why she was trembling with fear? It's because this woman was unclean. Jesus was a rabbi. By her touching Jesus, it would have made Jesus unclean. But you want to know something powerful about Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ? That this unclean woman touching Jesus did not make him unclean. It made her whole. Come on. Coming into contact with Jesus does not make him unclean. It makes you whole. And he looks at her, and I love it. He says, daughter. He calls, the first thing he calls her daughter, because remember her label is outcast, unclean. In one second, he heals her, and then he changes her social label, daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. See, there are many of you in here today where whether you have a relationship with God or not, and if you have a relationship with God, you're not exempt. We're never exempt on the weekend when we come and hear the gospel of Jesus. You've gone from doctor to doctor, treatment to treatment. You find yourself always searching, but never finding. In this never-ending, vicious human cycle has left you feeling nothing but empty, overwhelmed, tired, and exhausted. And you're sitting in here today, and you know that deep down inside, there might just be more to this life than what you're currently living out. And maybe, just maybe, your answer is Jesus. Not Jesus and, but Jesus, period. Not Jesus and the doctor. Not Jesus and the treatment. Not Jesus and that relationship. Not Jesus and the substance. No, Jesus, period. But hear me. The reason why we don't fully give Jesus a chance is that we don't fully trust that what he has to offer us is better than what we're currently living out. And here's why we don't trust him. Because we, don't, we can't control him. We want all the good things that a relationship with God has to offer, but we want it to look our way. We want it to be comfortable and predictable. But understand something about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with predictability. It has nothing to do with comfortability. It has everything to do with dependability. We depend on the fact and trust the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. We depend on the fact that Jesus loves us. He went to the cross for you. 
that he had you in mind when he hung up on that cross 2,000 years ago, died for you, was resurrected for you. We depend on the fact that he's good. We depend on the fact that he's a restorer, he's a redeemer, that he's a perfecter, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You see, when it comes to Jesus, you can either have trust or you can have control, but you cannot have both. you got to choose. What did Jesus say to this woman? He said, daughter, your what? Your faith has healed you. Not your works, not your time, not your energy, not your money. Keep your money. I don't need that. But your faith, your hope, your trust is what set you free and healed you. Many people in here today, you trust in Jesus, but you don't trust Jesus. And there's a big difference. You can trust in the fact that he exists. You can trust in him enough to believe that he's the only way to heaven. You can trust in him enough to every once in a while open up your Bible and pray in your car. You can trust in him enough to bring your family to church every once in a while on the weekend. You can trust in him enough to every once in a while get really fired up during a good worship song and raise your hand. But when it comes to trusting him with your life, trusting that he is enough, trusting that he's all you need, that he is your sustainer and your fulfiller, you can't because if you did, you wouldn't live your entire relationship with Jesus Christ with one foot in and one foot out. Hear, hear, hear this today. You may not trust Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. There's a lot of people who see no need for Jesus because they have all they need. But there will come a point where those two worlds will collide. But I believe there's some of you in here today where you've got nothing left. You, you, you've turned everything you know how. You have nothing left. Could it be possible today that, Christian or not, that your answer today is Jesus and Jesus, period. I believe that Jesus is speaking to some of you right now saying, look, your search is over. Are you tired? That's okay. I'll give you rest. Are you empty? No worries. I'll fill you up. Are you weak? Perfect. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Are you broken? That's all right. I'll mend you. Are you hurting? I can heal you. See, when you get to the place that you believe, where you truly believe and trust and depend on the fact that Jesus is all you need, you don't have to run to that relationship. You don't have to run to that thing. You don't have to run to that person. Does that mean that you won't slip up sometimes and look for the quick fix? Absolutely, we all do it, okay? Does that also mean that, that life is going to be all daisies and unicorns? Absolutely not. The Bible is very clear that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to see pain, hurt, sin, temptation. Bad things happen to good people in this world. You're going to see it. But see, what we have as believers that no one else has on this planet is that there's a second part to that verse. In this world, you will have trouble. But what? Take heart because I've overcome the world. Take heart. Have hope, peace, joy. Rest on that. When everyone else in the world in their time of trouble is trying to rest on somebody or something else, we get to sit back in the arms of Jesus Christ and lean back and say, I don't have much to trust, but I can trust you. <laughs> ben, you can come on up. My goal today wasn't to have this 
exhaustive message to try to prove something to you. I think that I've proved all that I can. But I know that it's easy sometimes when you're sitting out of the crowd and someone has a mic in their hand um, to, to think that they just have all their stuff together and that's why they're preaching. Oh, Lord, have you met Chad and Sean? Come on. About eight months ago, I, I got to a place in life where I couldn't have been more dissatisfied and more unfulfilled. And, and my life pretty much just kind of like crashed before my eyes. And not, not many people know, some, some do. Just went through a season of life where I was hurting. And I was really dissatisfied, really unfulfilled. I had major trust issues with God especially. And because I had trust issues, I had control issues. Because I didn't trust, I just controlled everything in my life, everybody in my life. I was just very disappointed. And, and so I was challenged, encouraged, pushed to, to, go, to go meet with somebody, meet with a counselor. And so I, I, I met with this counselor who, his name is Clinton. He, he's changed my life. I'm still meeting with him today. But I was meeting with him and just we're trying to figure out, like, man, what is it in my life that, that I'm missing? Why am I struggling so much? Why am I just filled with so much hurt and angst and anxiety and depression? Why, why am I at this place? I never, I've been in ministry. I've been a youth pastor for eight years. And, and I've been a pastor. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling these things that pastors aren't supposed to feel. And a couple of months into our counseling, he, he had me do this exercise. He said, Andrew, I want you to go home. And I want you to write out 50 of your deepest longings and desires. I'm like, 50? 50? That's a lot. He said, try. And he said, I don't want you to write like your goals or the things that you want in life. He said, I want you to write out your deepest desires, like the thing that you lay your head to rest at night. And you say, that's what I want in my life. That's what I desire. Put money aside, all the things aside, like when it comes down to it, this is what Andrew Matrone desires in his life. And I wrote 31. And th this is it. This is my list. I printed it out for you. I won't share it with you because there's a few. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> But I'll share a few. To be needed. To be known. To be loved. To feel joy to be happy, to be manly enough, to have what it takes to be noticed, to feel no shame, to be accepted, to have significance, to have security, to be successful, to feel important, to be valued, to be forgiven. Like, this, this is what I want. When it all, when push comes to shove, this is what I desired in life. And he said, okay, now I want you to look at, at, at the areas of which you place your hope in to, to fulfill these desires. Like, well, what are all the worldly things? And, and, and I, I wrote a list, my wife, my friends, my job, my image, my attempt at righteousness, like, th those are the things that I believe that if I can attain those, then they'll fulfill this. But I got to this place where I was praying and I was seeking the Lord. I began to realize that these things, 
they could fulfill and satisfy some of these desires some of the times, but not one of them could fill it, fulfill it all the time. And I began to realize that all these things that I put my hope in, they, they weren't bad. They're not bad things. But I realized they could be my friend, but they couldn't be my physician. You hear me? Those things in your life that have been your target for fulfillment, they can be your friend. That's all right. They can't be your physician. And I started to see that all these things, that, that God created me with these longings and desires. I believe that God created me with, and if God created me with these longings and desires, then he would be the only one that could fulfill them. And if you don't trust or believe that God created you with the desires of your heart, then you'll never trust or believe that he's the answer to them. Look, I don't know where you stand today. I don't know your story. Man, there's, there's so many people in here that if you were to come up on stage and share your story, we'd be blown away. There's a lot of hurt and pain in this room. There's a lot of people who, man, you, you have a great relationship with the Lord, or you couldn't be further from one, and anywhere in between. A lot of different stories represented in here, and it, that, that's why the kingdom of God is beautiful, amen? A lot of different stories in here. You know what we all have in common? Is that we were all created with a purpose. And it's the same exact purpose, whether you believe it or not. And that purpose was to come into relationship with God. And then once you're in a relationship with him, is to walk in a relationship with him. And until that is fulfilled, you'll always be a sheep wandering around without a shepherd. It's a lot of people. Maybe you're in here today and you're a Christian. You have a relationship with God. But you have some major trust issues with him. And it's come out in the way that your lifestyle is right now. And it's not necessarily that you're doing bad things. It's just that you've been putting a lot of hope in a lot of things. And you, you realize today that, man, I, I trust in Jesus, but I have not trusted him. And I think that today he's calling me back. Today, I, 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 I want him to look at me and say, son, daughter, your, your faith has healed you. Maybe you're in here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Could it be possible that he orchestrated your entire life, good, bad, and ugly, to get you to this moment right here where he could speak to you? And you know what? All you got to do, just like that woman, is you got to walk out the door. He'll meet you there. But maybe for the first time you realized, I think this is why I've been coming to church. I've been coming to church for a long time. I've never really believed it, but I think I understand for the first time that this is what I want because I've tried everything else. I believe that God will graciously let us exercise other avenues. Like, go, go try that physician. Go try that. Go do that. Do what you need to do. But know when that's over, I'll be here. The answer to your question may not be as far off as you think it is. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room, all of our campuses and online, men and women at God Behind Bars. God, you're moving, you're speaking. And it was beautiful, Lord, you're speaking to everybody individually, to their story, 
their journey because you know just what it is that they need, so you're speaking to that. If there's Christians in here, Lord, you're, you're speaking to them. The Holy Spirit is convicting right now. We can't sit in a service like this and not allow the Lord to convict us. You're, you're convicting, you're challenging, you're encouraging, you're uplifting. A couple questions here with heads bowed and eyes closed. You're sitting here today and you have a relationship with God. Your eternity is secured. You trust in Jesus, but you've been in a season of life where you haven't trusted him. And you've sought out a lot of other avenues, but you understand today that the Lord is, is screaming to you right now. Son, daughter, depend on me. Put your faith in me once again. Put your trust in me once, once again. Let go of control. Depend on me. I've got what you need. You're in here and that's you. Would you slip up your hands so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Tons of us. You can put your hands down. Second question is this, is you're not a believer. You don't have a relationship with God. You couldn't be in a better place. We believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But the Bible is very clear that oh, we got to just believe accept you belong first then you believe and then you can try to behave but you've always belonged you just got to believe now you're in here today you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ you're saying you know what Andrew I think that that's what I want I want to start that today if that's you in here would you slip up your hand across this place amen amen praise Jesus you can put your hands down Lord I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, trust is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. So as people lay their head to rest tonight, may they say, Lord, I, this is hard for me, but I'm going to choose to trust that you're all that I need. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Red Rocks Church at all locations. Let's stand. Let's worship.